We are saved by Christ alone and his work to atone for our sins at the cross alone. When Jesus died on the cross, he proclaimed this labor for our salvation was finished. But though the great accomplishment had been made and the great price had been paid for our sins, there was still work for our Lord to do, and there is work for those who believe in him to do as well. Welcome everyone, this is the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and I'm the Executive Director of the International Outreach and Disciple-Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. And these two ministries are the sponsors of this program. To learn more about either, go to breadoflifeboise.org. The early church was emphatic that the Christian life was a life of work, of good work, living to benefit others, to bring advantage to others. This labor was simply an act of following after our Lord Jesus. He and the Father are still working today, still doing good, and we're to do the same. And they bring their accusations against the Lord Jesus that he's a lawbreaker and he's breaking the law of the Sabbath because men are supposed to be resting on the Sabbath and they're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath. And the Lord Jesus responds to them in John chapter 5, verse 17 to give an explanation for what he's doing. And he says this, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. My father has been working till now, and I have been working. Before that, the Lord Jesus says, My life can be described by good works. And now the Lord Jesus explains, I, I'm just following my father's example. My father's can tear it out this work. My father's working in this moment. In other words, what the Lord Jesus is basically saying is, My father works on the Sabbath day, and so do I. My father labors to do good on the Sabbath day, and so do I. In fact, this is, in a sense, the current disposition of the Father towards his creation man, fallen mankind. The current way in which God engages us on a daily, daily basis. The disposition is this. It's that of work, good work, that God is constantly doing and tirelessly maintaining in our presence. We're told in Genesis that God made Adam and Eve and that he set Adam and Eve in a paradise where they could rest and enjoy him and experience his peace and his blessing and then after God had done all of his creative work and God had then blessed man and put him in this paradise where he could walk with man could walk with God on the cool of day it says on the seventh day that God rested and it was as if God was in that moment inviting and symbolizing in that moment that he was calling this creation that he had made into this final period and state of perfect rest in him but that rest was disrupted Man sinned, and they fell away from God, and they fell under a curse. And a part of the curse was that he would have to labor by the sweat of his brow the rest of his life. But at that very moment in which man fell in sin, God's, God's life changed in a sense. The way the cadence of God's own existence in a sense changed. We read that he rested on the seventh day after creation, but after man fell, God went back to work. And Jesus is saying he's been working ever since. He's never stopped working ever since. Jesus said of himself that he'd come to seek and to save those who were lost. The life of Christ was a life of unrelenting action. And the reason why was because he was working alongside of his father. He felt the urgency of his mission. So the Lord Jesus, towards the end of his earthly life, said, I must work while it is still day, for the night comes when no man works. It was the work of bringing people back into relationship and life with God himself. And... 
There, there was a harmony between the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus and the heartbeat of the Father. And so as the Father labored to do good, so Christ also labored constantly to do good. Of John chapter 5, verse 17. My Father has been working to this time, and so I work as well, is what Jesus said. Uh, uh, in commentary to John 5, 17, G. Campbell Morgan wrote this. I want you to listen to it. It's quite wonderful. Quote, it is his great declaration of the fact, speaking of Jesus, it is his great declaration of the fact, and I pause for words, for to me it is one of the deepest and sublimest facts, and I can hardly know how to express it, of God's restlessness in the presence of man's unrest. It is a sublime unveiling of the fact that God in his heaven cannot be at rest while man he has made in his own image and likeness, the man who is his offspring by creation, is restless on account of sin. And so God is ceaseless in his activity to remove the cause of that unrest. God is working now, laboring now, doing good in all these things in order to draw some to himself, in order to redeem man out of his lost place and out of his restlessness this ceaseless unease until man finds forgiveness and cleansing and finds himself once again at ease in the heart and presence of God, God living in him, him living in God. God is good, and his works for us are good, and they're for our benefit and for our profit. And yes, there are temporal things that he does for us, but in the end, he, he seeks the profit that we would receive for, of eternal life. Well, here's a conclusion for us. We've been saved We've trusted in Jesus Christ. We believe in his good work alone for our salvation. And in that salvation, we've been saved to a good work that God has prepared for us. A work in which we seek to advantage other people. Just as God, by his own goodness, brought us to repentance so that we might believe in him and receive salvation from him, now we seek to be good to other individuals so that through our lives we might bear forth a witness of the graciousness and goodness of God so that these individuals might come to repentance as well. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, that the Christians are workers together with Him, workers together with Christ, workers together with God. In Philippians 2, 13, it goes on to say that it's God who works in us both to will and to do His good pleasure. There is this relationship in which God is leading us into good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved to them. We're saved to the restless energies of the Father working in us His own goodness and His own good desires to profit and benefit others. And so when we find the center of the Christian life, we come to the center of the Christian life, we find that there at the center of the Christian life is activity. Activity to do good to all people. It's a good thing for me to remember. We just have come off from a long vacation. It was a nice pause. It wasn't entirely a pause. We were active, enjoying ourselves to a large extent. But the vacation is kind of coming to an end. A moment of rest is coming to an end. And the reminder is that those are those moments. Those are those brief pauses that God has given us. But the call he's placed upon our life and his salvation is to be industrious, is to be laboring, is to be working. You have those opportunities in the job you have. In the jobs that you have, you work along other, other people, and your, your design ought to be to help them to exceed. 
and to excel and to do well and to benefit and bless them and to profit so they might be a blessing and a profit to their families and their homes and their communities and to the places where their work is being applied. And you have that opportunity in your own household. You have that opportunity in your neighborhood. You have that opportunity among the extension, extended family that you live among to labor and work, to do good. It's God's call upon our lives. A.W. Tozer says in light of this truth, quote, I believe that Christians ought to be the busiest helpers in the world, end quote. He actually conjectures that a lot of the different government programs that have risen in his day and age were because of a failure of the church and Christians to do their own jobs. (laughs) If we'd given ourselves to be good the way we should be good to our neighbor, we wouldn't have the government come in and have to take our places. We wouldn't have to march. And by the way, you're not doing good by just demanding that the government help other people. Might make you feel good, but it's what we do ourselves. We're to live in some way so that someone, somewhere, should have, have us at the end of the day to thank for some good, for some advantage, for some profit that's fallen upon their lives. We ought to live in such a way that the goodness of God expressed to us, leading us to repentance, might be expressed through us to lead other people to repentance as well. I'll give you one last illustration. Some years ago, I was in Bali, Indonesia. A man was the chief of the village in Bali. and he gave, It's a Hindu enclave, a Hindu island there. And he gave his life to Christ. He, he sent his sons away to a Christian school because he noticed that some Balinese people were turning to Christ. And he thought, how could somebody have been raised on this island from generation to generation to generation? What great thing could they be? be how could they be deceived? What kind of magic is being cast upon them? What kind of evil power and influence is coming upon them that they would leave all this heritage to turn away from their faith of their fathers? And so he, he sent his sons to go to a Christian school to find out what the trick was, what was being played upon them, and they were to be the investigators. And in the process, the sons both became followers of Jesus Christ, and they came back and shared the message with the father, and the father became a follower of Jesus Christ as well. Now, this was a conflict for the village because his, that family had been the line of chiefs over that village for generations as well, but they couldn't have a Christian being a leader, so they, they cast him out of his position and they cast him out of the village, but they didn't, want to, you know, they didn't want to be accused of being too harsh, and so they gave him a portion of land on the side of a hill that wasn't very profitable. It wasn't much, it was just a piece of earth, and so this man lived up on that piece of earth. Well, you know, as a result, though, of the witness that his sons were bearing, and he was bearing other people in the area around that were coming to Christ as well, and they were getting kicked out of their homes as well, and so he said, well, I'll, you can come and live on my property. They gave me a larger, other people didn't have the same favorable position, the same long heritage from the family, and so he said, you can come and we'll build a house for you on our property and you can live there, but now he has to find a way to provide for them, and so they decided, you know what, let's do, let's raise pigs. And we'll provide pigs and we'll bring them down to the major city in Dimpasar and we'll sell them and we'll, we'll make some kind of business so that we can employ everybody and care for them. And so they started raising pigs. And so now he's helping these saints. He's giving them a house to live in. He's providing them income so they can provide for themselves. But they, they're still barely making it. So as they design the place where they're keeping these pigs, they, they design floors that are made of concrete. And underneath the floors are these like cisterns, these egg-shaped cisterns that they started building. They, they innovated themselves, and then they found out that they could pipe the methane in that village down into the homes that they were building for these Christians, Christians so that they had warmth in the evening, but they also had f- fires to cook their food. And 
this was available because they were having a hard time finding the, 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 the fuel to burn and cook so they could cook their meals. And so now they had fuel. But, so they're even benefited more. But then they got thinking, you know what? This would be a great blessing to everyone in our neighborhood. So they began to run pipes down to every home in the village in their neighborhood. So all of their neighbors had fuel as well to provide for everyone in their neighborhood. And before long, they became a case study of a great benefit that had been brought to that village. Cast out of his home for coming to Christ. Having his property taken away from him. Driven out from his village. But then opening up the place where he is as a, as a place to do good to others who are coming to Christ to wash the feet of the saints. Then to be active and aggressive and seeking ways to be good to those around him. Even those who had turned their hands against them. Turning the hand back to do good. Bearing the witness of Jesus Christ. Saved by the good work of Jesus Christ alone workmanship, poems that he's authored in order that we might live out his good life before others by doing good ourselves. Let's think about that. Let's, um, let's think about what are the good things we could do. Obviously, praying for my neighbors on a regular basis is good. Maybe letting them know that I'm praying for them so they might inform me how I could pray for them more specifically would be really good. Seeing what the needs are in life and where I might contribute and help. Just meeting basic needs in their life. Uh, listening to them and encouraging them and supporting them. You'll have to think about it. God, how do I live out good works in order that I might give an expression of your own goodness to people? Let's bow our heads. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.